On this episode of How I Got This Gig, I meet up with Shannon Leahy, a writer and storyteller who I met. Berman, this is our first writer on the show. I, I gotta just say, this is our first writer on the show. I've been trying to get writers on the show, and, and they haven't been coming. They have not been agreeing to come on the show, but Shannon did, and she was a lot of fun. Well, I got a secret to tell you. The reason why is because they're all intimidated by you, except for oh. Shannon, which is okay on my books. She's She's got confidence. She's got some confidence <laughs> to come out and talk with me. <laughs> she's great. You're going to enjoy this one. This is a real fun one. Hey, welcome to the program, How I Got This Gig. I'm your host, Dean Rainey, and with me as always is... Berman Lamb, the other video twin. The other video twin, I guess I'm the first one. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say better, but I knew that that would just go down a rabbit hole that people would not be interested in listening to. Or would they? Maybe we'll do a separate podcast on that. On who's the better twin? Yeah. I know my team have all kinds of ideas about like evil twins and like (laughs) all these Siamese twins and all these things. Man, we can do this with the video twins. We can do that. Yeah, they really, really are excited about doing more video twins, Berman. Are we going to do more video twin stuff? You know what? If we could have your team dictate and come up with the ideas, I'm down for anything. Uh, Let your team know. They come up with it. We'll do it. All right. We're at the mercy of their hands. Okay, because I know we're both busy. I know we're at the start of a new year, and it's kicking off, and it's looking like it's going to be... I mean, last year was really busy. Last year was just really busy with Rainy Media and Berman Lamb Creative Solutions, right? Yep, yep. And I mean, I'm taking off in about a couple weeks off to Asia for about a month's time, so yeah. Another big commercial shoot? It certainly is. I can't really uh, uh, reveal any any other stuff Oh, you stuff never right can. Now. You never can. Those <laughs> days are over. It's so... <laughs> like everything top secret. Like what was the commercial you're doing before? It was for IBM. It was all top secret. And you know what? It's still top secret. I'm sure it's gone out there and it's still, I don't know what it is. I don't yeah. know what happened. I did an IBM and I also oh did an gosh. always maxi pad when I was out there last time. So it was great. It was a, a like a techie company and also a feminine product uh, commercial. It was like the best of two completely opposite worlds. And maybe you'll get a chance yeah. to speak to some of the directors over there that you're working with or yeah. a lot of international directors that you work with. And maybe we can kind of get to know some of them and uh, figure out how they got their gig. Yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah, for sure. But today on the show, we've got Shannon Leahy. And Shannon is a professional writer and storyteller. Uh, her work has appeared in newspapers, magazines. She's been featured on television and radio. So she's done a lot of print writing. Uh, and I met her through... A client that I have, Ryan Eliason. Oh, okay. Ryan, yep. I was down in San Diego uh, filming for his event and getting testimonials, and she was someone who had enrolled in his course, and we just hit it off right away. You know, Canadian, we, we both have a lot of energy. She's funny. She's very funny. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yeah, this is, she's, she's a laugh. She's a riot. So I said, I got to have you on the show. I got to have you on the show. Now what she's doing is she's created her own business uh, teaching story writing and storytelling. So, you know, women, men who want to write a book or be a writer or maybe do talks, TED Talks, oh, okay. uh, speakers, speeches, stuff like that. She trains them to help sort of develop their stories. So it's great stuff. It's great stuff. And you know, it's fantastic. I, it's 
I was listening to this podcast and all I can think of is she's a writer. Like it's such a waste. Like she speaks so well on on the mic you know she should oh yeah be, she not shouldn't be writing she she should be on tv or on, on <laughs> we, the podcast we're gonna get her on camera we're <laughs> yeah, gonna we get a camera are. we're gonna get her on audio because yeah she's got she's just funny she's got great timing and she's got a real sharp wit about her yeah but she goes deep on some of the stuff that she talks about you know some of the darker things that creative people struggle with right right off the bat you know she talks about imposter syndrome you know that feeling that a lot of us have you know, yeah. yeah, okay, here I am, I'm running a production company, I'm directing videos, but then there's always that thing in the back of my mind is like, do I really know what I'm doing? Maybe these people <laughs> here don't think I know what I'm doing, and they're very quickly going to find that out, and I am going to be out of work. Every you know? project I'm on, I think the exact same thing. This is the you last, do, eh? yeah, this is the last project I'll be on, because after this, people are going to realize that I'm a fraud. That's how I, that's how I think every single project. So she talks about this and she's got some great ways to combat it. And then it also ties into, you know, the critical voices in your head when you're trying to create stuff. And there's just that voice saying, why are you doing this? Don't bother. This has been done. Now, this is different than, say, like, you know, if you're a cameraman and you're hired to do a job, okay, you you, you get the gig, right? But if you're creating something from nothing, if you're a writer, you know, this is there. This is a big, a big struggle for a lot of us you know it it manifests itself through procrastination and just never getting started never finishing maybe never starting and then maybe never finishing so a lot of us struggle with that oh absolutely i you know every time i got to come up with a concept dean it's so hard like every time you come up to me okay we got a tourism thing we have to do come up with an idea i'm dreading that every time you call me and i hear you tell me that right away it's like i turn white and i'm like oh i'm screwed and it takes a few days, yeah, before I can actually start. And then once I get in a roll, it's good. But that starting, oh my gosh. No, it's hard. It's yeah. very hard. So imagine, okay, you've been tasked with something, right? So you've gotten a brief from a client. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're tasked with uh, writing a concept for a, for a tourism spot or whatever, right? I think, you know, that's a, that's a certain level. But then a, a deeper level is if you're a writer and you're there and you think, okay, I've got this cool story that I think is cool. Yeah that I just want to create out of from nothing, or maybe it's based on my, my own life, well, my gosh, those voices come out pretty hard in those situations because now it's like, well, this is your story. What, what's it worth? Like, who wants to read this? Who wants to see this, you know? Um, so she goes in deeper on that level too as well. Right, For those right, that right. are just sitting there thinking about being creative and uh, that struggle with, you know, getting past those voices. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people that are not in our industry or not, you know, in the writing industry don't realize how difficult it is to to start something like that. Like, if you really think about it, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, not easy to start, Not certainly not easy to finish and complete, and then even harder maybe to get it out there. But then she also talks about being proactive as a creative and how that really helps her to make a living as a creative. And I could relate to this, right? That I, I just am not comfortable just sitting back and waiting for the jobs to come in. I've got to get out, I've got to get out there and, and get things made. So I'm constantly coming up with ideas, good or bad, <laughs> and pitching them with the hope that some will stick and turn into jobs. And yeah, it's happened. Oh yeah, I have to say you're very good at that. It's one thing that I envy of you is that you have that energy uh, and that kind of um, drive to do, you know, to to get get out there and create business for you. I'm I'm the opposite. I everything I do is based on referral. I I, I am really bad at self marketing or even going out there just to represent myself. And I and I think you're really good at that. So 
and it's hard sometimes. It's hard oh, yeah, because, <laughs> like, yesterday. Here's a little story. Yesterday, uh, it's okay. I'm recording this, and it's just after the uh, New Year's holiday, so I, my staff was off for a week, and uh, I had some ideas brewing in my mind, and I kind of wrote an outline for something because I thought, you know, we've got to get more creative with what we want to make. Okay, yeah, we have these jobs that we have to do for clients, but we still need to have some fun with our stuff. So when there's time, we need to be using all this gear and, and creating some stuff. So I came up with a little concept for a teaser trailer that I thought, hey, we should make this. And it's, a, it's got a little punchline and it's, and it's funny. And so I kind of pitched it to my team and they're just kind of blank faces. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I have clients that are paying me to make course videos. Let me just stick with this. Why am I being embarrassed by <laughs> <laughs> then we talked through the idea a little bit more and they liked it and they got it. But at first I was like, yeah, why am I, why am I bothering with this? It's so hard. So hard. Because I come up with ideas and I'm excited and then I pitch them to you or Jason. And, you know, a lot of times you guys are like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Did you watch a basketball game last night? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, why do, I, why do I bother? But Shannon cuts right to the heart of this and uh, she talks a lot about how it was really sort of pivotal to her making a living as a creative and, and making some money. And the great thing is now she's able to share all that she's learned with her students that she teaches through her programs. Right. So this is a fun one. You know, I'm laughing a lot. I really, really enjoyed this one. Right. That's good. Yeah, I, I thought it was a blast to listen to as well. I personally haven't met her yet, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, let's just get right into it. Here we are, my conversation with Shannon Leahy, writer. So right out of his mouth, he goes, so lower your voice. Oh, this is great. Lower your voice. Before we go further. <laughs> Before you're ejected from here. Yeah, no, I do have a, I do have a big voice. No, I'm thrilled because we're not, we're not, we're not on film. Is this, is this a relief or what? I may be a disappointment for Norm. I, oh, yeah. Oh, I, like yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you thought I was going to run three cameras here and everything. I barely can handle this stuff here, just the audio recording. Oh, you're modest. Okay this, okay, this will be fun. This will be great fun. Yeah. So, Shannon, what is it that you do? How do you, when you're at a dinner party and say, oh, Shannon, how are you? What do you do? How do you describe what it is that you do? Well, the first thing, Dean, is I'm never at those dinner parties <laughs> where they ask you no. what I do. It's like a terrible question. What do you do? You know, where do you fit into the food chain? Right. Uh, but you're you're right. That we, we do get asked that question. I do admit, not to give you sea legs, shaky legs, it's one of my least favorite questions because I'm 45 yeah. and I have never felt con- confident in um, sharing what I what I do for a living. Really? Absolutely. And one of the reasons why is I never found a fit for most of my uh, teenage years, but who does, uh, throughout my 20s and, and into my, my 30s. So what do you do always sounded to me like a box. So if you say you're a writer, yeah, then often the fists come out in a way because they think you're really, really smart. And then we're mm. going to do a book war, right? Of what books you've read. Right. If I've written a book, um, or if I'm a writer, then I'm a drunk. Or <laughs> right? Well, right? Let's be honest, right? Or and if I'm at a dinner party, I usually am. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but um, so what? What do I do now? Um, how my c-word career has evolved? I run a storytelling studio in Toronto. 
And I ultimately work with uh, Story Sisters, uh, a couple of men as well, special men, yeah. my, my Beacon Brothers. Beacon Brothers. I would totally Story include sisters. you in Thank that. You. And in simplest terms, uh, I help women um, speak and write better. You encourage them to do something that you are not proud enough to admit that you do. <laughs> okay. My more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know you're the first writer I've been able to get on the show? I have tried to get journalists, mm. and I have tried to get uh, animation writers. Oh, okay. I have tried to get a screenwriter. These are all people that I approached. That in my book, they made it. They've had a script option. They've had a script produced. Uh, they're writing full-time for one of Canada's greatest mm-hmm. magazines, and yet none of them felt that they had any kind of real career. They felt the same way and they didn't want to come on mm-hmm. because they just were like, it's nothing, it's nothing. I'm just, it's nothing. What, what is that all about? Oh, I think of the writer, and forgive me, I, I might mispronounce it. Yes, some writers don't have good pronunciation. Is <laughs> Neil Gaiman. The, the Englishman, uh, beautiful, beautiful writer. He wrote American Gods, which otherwise okay. you, you see it on TV. That. Oh, no, That's, she's going to judge me because yeah, I, I haven't totally, read that. I did, totally <laughs> judge you. Maybe you've seen it on TV. And he actually helped define the term imposter syndrome. He mm. openly, so this is, a, this is an award-winning, prolific writer, uh, novelist. And he talked about how it was, he always kept waiting for the the fake police to drag him out of the auditorium, to drag him out of the the fancy cocktail party, to drag him away from f- from all the praise and say you're you're a, you're a lie and you're a joke and you have no talent. Right. And even as I repeat that, like I can even feel it in my throat because so much of that is part of being a creator, and ultimately all seven billion of us are creators. But it's called the shadow self. It's it's I, I I refer to it as the black parrot. It's the it's this he's on your left shoulder as well. Mine I've nicknamed Herbert, and it's this terrible black parrot that sits on my shoulder, and whispers really nasty things to me, all the time when I'm creating. Now when I'm losing my temper, that guy doesn't show up. Right. When I'm uh, <laughs> when I'm on the couch watching Netflix eating, he doesn't show up. But as soon as I have an idea that I'm in love with, that I believe in, that I believe, as I like to say, can push the species forward, <laughs> don't talk about delusional, That's but big. even there, yeah. see how he just showed up? Right. But the idea of here's something that would be really, really cool, that guy, show, he, he's right there, where this will never work, you don't have the money for it, you don't have the time for it, no one's going to care about it, they're going to laugh at you, and, and you... I think you can kind of know that voice as well, because for a lot of the women and and the men I work with, people who want to write, and a lot of them, they write so beautifully. And more importantly, they have beautiful, powerful, compelling ideas. They hear their black parrot. It's often been referred to as the inner critic, resistance, writer's block, which ultimately is fear. Um, They hear it in the voice of maybe their mom, um, their grade four teacher who said, you know, you're, you're dumb. Right. Or you don't spell good, this kind right. of stuff, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, or or yeah. English isn't your first language. So ultimately, I spend most of my time, I think, for both personally, professionally, creatively, because it's all it's all one giant, blo- it's all mixed into one delicious ball of gooiness for me. There's no real separation. Is helping people 
not listen to that black parrot because in fact he's the liar he's the fake uh-huh and at the same time that guy only shows up when you're doing your work so he's actually really really good news because you're getting things done you or you or, yeah. or you or you're about to you're about yeah well you're you're you, you got you're, some fire yeah you got some fire and you're also growing right yeah because i mean stephen pressville talks about in the war of art it's a beautiful book highly recommended and, and again, so few clients take me up on it where I'm like, I'll even give you the book. Oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, all right. You know, okay. Oh, Black Parrot. Yeah. But he talks about, uh, uh, defines what I call the Black Parrot as resistance. Um, he says, you know, this, this guy, that resistance has killed more people than cancer. You know, he doesn't yeah. mess around. Yeah. And yet what he says is that it's part of the creative process is that with, with, with creation must cast a shadow and that shadow is the inner critic. So if you're sitting on the couch, say with your wife and the two of you say, hey, you know, let's move to, let's go and open a telemarketing company, use child labor and like just like sell like candy bars that are laced with poison. The black parrot's not going to show up. No. Okay, it's not going to be. Or you mean, you know, because it doesn't help any of us, right? It's our let's or or get rich scheme or things like that. He will keep he'll keep pretty quiet. Right. But when it's when you're actually thinking to write, say, write a book or write a song, maybe like create a podcast, right? Something that actually uh, is going to inspire other people, is going to actually let other people know they're not alone. To, to actually bring your voice to other people, like your authentic, vulnerable, powerful voice, right. that thing is insatiable. Wow. And I believe it kills people. I think writers get it particularly hard because there's a lot of people that I meet in my line of work that yeah. are like, well, I'm a filmmaker. They have no problem no, telling no problem. me what they do, right? Oh, yeah. But I'm a writers, lawyer. yeah, right? <laughs> you know, I'm not just a video, I'm not a videographer. You're a videographer. I'm a filmmaker. Okay. You know, so there's like, well, yeah. you know, I just feel writers, they seem to get it, I don't know, a little tougher maybe? Uh, I think we're tougher on our ourselves. I mean, I find men in general beautiful that way in that confidence yeah and and the sisterhood you know could, could do a little bit more with it they're even talking about the confidence gap right and, and women when they have their success they'll say oh it was a group effort you know and the, and men will be like i did it i did, <laughs> I did it, it my all. way i did it all <laughs> all right um and that, <laughs> uh, at the same time writers i i believe when i when i do answer the question what do you do i say i hang out with ideas all day Ooh. At least, yeah, there you yeah. go. At least it gets something, right? Totally. And, and and then it's like, oh, so what's that? I said, I, said, I, I hang out with word, words all day. I, I string words together into sentences. Oh, so you're a writer, and then you know what the follow-up question is. How many books have you written? That's the newest oh, one. How many it? books have you written? <laughs> Not even have you written a book. It's, maybe it's my age now. How many? Right, well, because everybody's written a book and put it on Amazon, right? Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yeah. and, and, and back to your filmmaker, that same kind of, I'd almost call it consciousness, where someone... And I don't know, I can't tell you where it comes from. Um, I do think it comes from not turning pro. It, it, it's, it's, I, I think actually an amateur move, at right. the risk of sounding a little judgy, is that I don't mess around with what, what I do and, and getting really precious about my work because I'm going to go back to, to the black parrot. He will snap me like a nut, right? I am yeah. very conscious of... Of I, I'm very privileged. I'm very privileged that I, I, I can read and write. I, I also come from a realm of if you can read and write, you're a feminist, whether you're a man or a woman. 
period. Really? It's an abs- it's there there's so many things at play and then to be able to communicate so to and I'm a lot more than what what I what I do. Right. Right? And I I find the people who are the very first to almost correct you or or want to diminish you like the idea of like you're a videographer and I'm a filmmaker like you needed that like you need to do that and I think with writers we would rather be under the radar a lot. Mhm. Or maybe we're we're so under the radar because we have this giant bird on our shoulder all the time. <laughs> Just <laughs> holding you said, down. Uh, you know, it's oh. soccer. It, it, and again, too, I think too with, with with writers is there's the work, and then there's the person. And differentiating between the two is very very difficult. Very personal. The work well, is, yeah, like can it, be very. Yeah, it, now there's all types of, of writing course, too, right? Of course there are. Of um, course there are. Were you always a big reader? And did you journal when you were young? Or how did you know you were going to be a writer? It's kind of ro- a romantic career, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a dear diary. Yeah. <laughs> dear diary, help me, help me, help me. Uh, I actually couldn't read or write English uh, until I was in grade five. Really? Yes. Yeah, so I. What's uh, your first language? Yes. So my parents and their and their Irish wisdom said, you know what? So I, we've got this big Irish family. We're up in northern Ontario. Uh, and this is the family folklore, uh, is that Shannon keeps jabbering in her in her little special language. None of us know what what she's saying. Let's put her in French immersion. <laughs> really? So, so French I, is your first Fr- language? No, no. It, it was at the time. So yeah. this was full on French immersion. Um, none of my siblings went to French immersion, and. Um, I was then, they changed schools uh, and put me across the street. The English school was even across the street. But I actually took the city bus in kindergarten. Can you imagine across the city uh, to go to French immersion and learn how to be, well, be fluent. I, I, and, um, but going into grade (laughs) five, how old are you in grade five other than? Nine or 10? Yeah. Wow. So uh, that was a moment for me is that I, I couldn't read it. I couldn't spell it. And um, looking back, it was a pivotal moment because I knew that once I could learn how to read, I was never going to stop. And I I believe one of the reasons why I'm such a truly fierce advocate, bordering on almost fanatical, about people who don't believe they can write, they don't believe they can speak, they somehow think there's there's a special creativity pool. And I bet you that you've you've tasted this as well is that often people who consider themselves non-creative really kind of hate creative people because they feel like they've been ripped off. Right. And often, right? And then yeah. if there's money involved where they're wealthy in, in, in financial terms and then you still get to be creative, it, it, it bothers them because they can't buy it. Right. Right? Right. So with, with grade five and, and, and not being able to read, not being able to write, the, the humiliation of, 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 of that... And then also being told I, uh, quite openly that I was a slow learner. Oh. And, and it's often when I, I think of that little girl, and I love who she was, that would be me, um, <laughs> because, in, because I, knew, I knew I wasn't dumb. And yeah. I wish I could channel her all the time because there's plenty of times where I have doubted myself. So when I work with women um, and, and some men, I really advocate for them when they either refuse or incapable of advocating for their own 
their own power, their own brilliance, because they do have something to say. And I only work with people who do have something to say. I have no interest in, and I'm a filmmaker, and I'm the best, <laughs> and you know, you know, right. like because we or or it's marketing speak, and it's do, do you know yeah, what I, know. I mean? Or even yeah. vulnerability, substance yeah, substance, yeah. and also real. Uh, I know it's an A word; it's so overused, but authenticity mm -hmm. as well. Because even I know, I notice that vulnerability is now being packaged up. Yes, it is. Right? It is. It's the Bre next stage of... You know, Brandy yeah. Brown comes out with this beautiful, beautiful work, right? And then it's like, that's right, I need to be vulnerable. And then l let's not forget what happened to storytelling. <laughs> I mean, story, you know, brand storytelling, corporate storytelling. Oh, gosh, yes. But, um, yes. Yeah, because so, we were all just doing that anyways. And yeah, then a naturally. marketer said, wait a minute, now we're... We're telling stories, and it's now, oh, We're, but, yeah. Now a bank has a story, story and, every, yeah, and, every, which, and everyone has a story, right? But they're not very good stories. <laughs> they're just not. They're just <laughs> stories for story's sake, I guess. I don't know. But you but you were asking, well, that was such a short question, what what a, what a ramble, what a tangent. <laughs> but no, I, I would say in terms of journaling, uh, I w would write in, in – a journal, I guess. Even as I say that journaling, what? Because journaling actually. Well, I just mean like, is, did you is, write? Yeah, I, I really started writing when I was uh, traveling. I lived abroad. I lived in Ireland. That wasn't too much fun at all. No. No, not at <laughs> all. So I, I really was very earnest in, in, uh, you know, sitting in wonderful pubs and and drinking Guinness and smoking and yeah. and writing in writing in in my journal and writing postcards. And that really became ingrained in me be, because at the time I didn't know it, but the feeling was this, this brings me such tremendous joy. And the joys of being young, especially when you're in your 20s, is you think that that's almost, you almost take it for granted because you think, I'm always going to feel like this. <laughs> I know, I know. I know yeah. you look at you, right? But that's the right. That's the joys of being right. Yeah. I call it right in the middle of the river, right? When you're in your mid forties, as I am, you're right in the middle of the river, right? Like both, like both river banks are equally. The past is equally behind me, and the future is equally be, in front of me. Yeah. And coming back to to uh, Canada and trying to access those those feelings of meaning and connectedness and. Because that's ultimately what art is about, is applying meaning to life. Right. Really? Yeah. That's like Aristotle. And it's not like that's what I was trying to do in my amazing journals. But when you come back to, quote, quote, real life, and maybe you might have heard this as well growing up, is, well, that was great, Shannon. You know, sure, that was a time of your life, a time <laughs> of your life. Time I'm planning yeah. on having a long life. Like, come <laughs> on. Uh, but now it's time to face the real world. Yeah. And the real world kind of sucked. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There's nothing fun about the real world. That's why I do what I do. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. So, and I love you. I, I mean, I love um, the the premise for you and, and wanting to, like in my world, I call being being a, being a beacon, right? Being that lighthouse, shining that light. Because no, when I, if I had gone to my, my parents, which I did not and say, I want to be a writer. Um, I don't really know what they would have said, but. I'm very grateful to my parents because they always did tell me to be happy. Mm, very important. So, right? And then yeah. they left that blank. 
And and I think you know when I I let make the joke when I graduated from university I had I sat on stage and went wow how did how did that happen that was four years like that was so much fun and I had my degree in one hand and I had a plane ticket to Ireland in the other and I had a cab waiting for me like I was Get like I, yeah like I'm like okay people I've done everything you told me to do and now now it's my turn but um no it's it's been one step in front of the other and and you hear so many things like follow your bliss and if you get a job you love you'll never work a day in your life and it has been work and you yeah. don't you're not going to love every day of your of your life it doesn't always play it doesn't always feel like play like you can really do what what you love what you're wired to do and there's a tremendous satisfaction and you know who the people are because you want to be around people like that and that's one of the many reasons why I love fishermen just bear with me yep. and why I love farmers when with, with the with the travel writing that I do, because when you meet people who are they're doing exactly what they were built for, you 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 just, you you, ba- you just bathe in, in their energy because there's there's no um, there's no disconnect there. They're completely c- content. Like there's they're still hardworking. Yeah. They're still engaging. They're still super interesting, super kind. Sure, they have their bad, but this is they know their place in the world. And I, a lot I, of people don't. And these a lot days. of people, and especially a lot of urbanites yeah. too, right? And I, I officially now qualify as an urbanite. But to actually know, to actually see a life being lived, where you know, I mean, I also work with funeral director directors. Life is not a means to an end. Yeah. You know that those people, when they die, like you know, like wait. By the way, P.S. You know, like <laughs> warning, public health like, service. S- spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know that they that they're going to die, knowing that they had a good, they lived. Yeah, I went to school with a guy who became a funeral director, and he loves what he does, you have and he, to. I guess, is good at it. I can't, I can't be the judge of yeah. that. But so you went to university. What did you study? <laughs> I, oh, ooh. I studied a uh, logger. <laughs> And light cigarettes. No, All right. I, <laughs> Where did you go to school? No, I went. I went up north, so I went to school in my hometown. So that was in that's in Thunder Bay on Lake Superior, and I studied a double major of, of history and English. Okay. And I gra- I graduated when I was twenty four. Is that English lit? Or what is English, that? Just like, English. Just English. What is that then? Was, because I mean, I, I studied got, yeah, English lit, so it was uh, like a, a, a yeah, reading list. I guess list. it was yeah. But then there's creative writing. No, it was English literature then. It was not journalism. People can be a little assumptive about that, which is interesting. Right, that was my question. Yeah, Yeah, so yeah, I I fell in love with history. I mean, I also fell in love with with the professors. I mean, the more eccentric they were, I I had a professor who always wore, always wore the same outfit. Like, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And then looking back, um, he was also, let's just, like, he lived life his way and I think he really had I think one of his very good friends was Captain Morgan if you know what I mean so so now looking back I think I was like good for you to have showed up to class I don't think you were sober (laughs) but (laughs) you know but what a beautiful but what what beautiful teachers and that really did set a tone for falling in love with with people who I found interesting and that that's something that does amaze me now, particularly with I'm going to say I'm not going to I'm not going to do a hate on for for millennials because there's so much of that. There's such power in being in th- in being enthusiastic mm-hmm. and, and showing a sense of wonderment in life. 
You know, too yeah. cool, too cool for school. Doesn't. It's not a. It's a very passive energy. You it know, really it really is. It doesn't it, end up with anything or it, anywhere kind it of do, thing. It it's doesn't. Just... So so when I think of university, I think of the people I met. I think of the characters I met, and that really be- began a, a lifelong love affair with with talking to people. I mean, so you're kind you of know. drawn to characters that you came across in life. Yeah, you like this person sticks out. I yeah, know. they stick out, and and I really and I know I'm a I've been called a smiley person. Um, but but yeah, if you're if you're gonna write, if if you're gonna be a, a, an artist, I I don't refer to myself as an artist, but if you're gonna write, you yeah you do need to read absolutely. And yeah. and watching, I tried watching Netflix for the sake of what you know studying the plot. It's, it's come on, like it's not it, <laughs> no. yeah yeah no it's it's not right. But you do need you do need to read. You do and also have a wonderful love of of language. And in the end, matched by that is you do have to also have a love of life. Yeah. If you have and, written for mm-hmm, magazines mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. travel and stuff like that, yep. have you written a lot of fiction as well? I don't do fiction. No fiction at all? No. So it's all like experience and then writing something based on that? would be oh. When I'm talking about your writing career. Yeah. Now I know you're teaching and mentoring now, but Yeah, back. no, lo- looking back, I am... Um, I was very intimidated, and even how I, I just, I, my, my no was so quick. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't do fiction, right? <laughs> yeah, you see that? that? Did you yeah, feel that right like, away? Like, yeah. No, because, because, because again, right? The black parrot. Unpack par- that for I me. Know, I know, I think a black parrot shows yeah. up. Why are you a poet now? You see, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? You think writers have it rough? Try, try being a poet in this country, or, or telling your parents you want to be a poet. At the same time, I that wasn't my filter. That wasn't one of the ways I was wired. I, I have a tremendous. Uh, I, I am part of a poetry club. And um, but now you keep saying poetry, but I mean that's not that's one little that's niche one. of fiction. Yeah, fiction. I'm talking. My like, my dad wrote uh, prose, and that. prose and stuff. Stuff. No, I always fell in love with um, nonfiction, and I used to. Uh, at one point, I remember trying a tagline about right uh, good stories about good people doing good work, and that's su- that summed up a lot of the travel writing. Um, that's what. Uh, so, what was that tagline for? That was for a lot of my writing career with uh, when I was doing a, uh, newspapers and magazines. Was it and again? then uh, <laughs> so I can get good it. good stories about good people doing good work. Yeah, and when I first started out, particularly though the stories that that resonated with me, and that's also uh, a little learning lear- learning opportunity here. That's also something that I, I share with clients regularly, as I call it the yes feeling. And, and I'm not going to call it intuition or go woo-woo or anything like that. What, what often happens, especially in such a left-brained culture, is that when, you're, when something attracts you, when you think, you know, that is really cool. Like, that's really cool. Like, who would ever, whatever that is. And I call it the yes feeling. And it is, it is a feeling. But long before it hits your, the reptilian brain and all the rest, or, it, it is, that is ultimately a sign that you're that you're on to something. So, so many of the phenomenal projects that I've had the great privilege of writing about, and, and the people I've met, really came from me going, "That would be cool. That would be awesome." Like putting my finger literally on a on a map in northern Alberta and saying, "You know, going to Fort Chip would be awesome. Over the tar sands, that would be cool." Is that kind of like? Being proactive versus being assigned something is that I'm I've always been proactive. Yeah, that's I'm how gonna, I kind of think. You want totally, your best yeah. work from me as a client? Just let me pitch you something. Yeah, to sign off there and you let go. Me make it. Yeah, 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 like yeah for sure. Yeah. And that's actually a really neat point because I, 
um, and I, 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 I admit, <laughs> I've already forgot the original question, but that's Sorry. okay. It we're, matter. It's we're, a podcast. We're, 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 ha- we're having a conversation. Yeah. But that's actually really, really cool that, that, that you mentioned that. And I, I appreciate that because there's, a tre- there, there's also a tremendous power in not knowing the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Dalai Lama even, even talks about that, right? He says, like, know the rules so you know which ones to break. And when I look back, and I still, I still do uh, write, um, and that was another thing, giving myself permission to actually realize that I could actually teach, but I, it, wasn't, it wasn't me um, being a shadow artist. I could actually still share what I've learned, and I, I define wisdom as I know, uh, I know what does a lot about what doesn't work. That's you know a lot of wisdom to share, right? Important. So beating yourself up, telling yourself that you have to be disciplined, um, that writers have to you know like 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 they're these like Stephen King maniacs who you know write even on Christmas Day and they sit down. You know you hear this or that Sylvester Stallone you know pumped out the Rocky script two weeks or something. Oh no, in a night. It's even better in a night. In a night, right? So this idea of I'm going to write the that novel when I retire. This kind of stuff that you're it's just all a matter of time but when I w- started uh, travel writing uh, one of the the origin story behind that is I my parents are are in up up north I'm I'm in I'm uh, in the big city I'm in Toronto and I have a lot of shenanigans with with my parents you know I enjoy them um, I'm child free and I would take uh, Norm my partner up up north and we would do crazy things and what when I say crazy things like we would go zip lining we would sail spend the day sailing Lake Superior and all the rest and my dad uh, being being my being my dad and me being me he would he would pay for it all which was great (laughs) (laughs) but what was what what I used what, what I would do though is I would then write up those adventures and um, my hometown paper took such good care of me. And this is, again, you know, like life is ultimately about relationships, like real relationships, mm-hmm. like being nice to people, having them be nice to you. You know, people really do want to work with people they like. Yes. People who are kind, you know, people who, who are themselves, uh, you know, preferably if yourself is like a like a nice, nice open person. And... What was cool about those articles is is because it's a small town, my parents' phone would ring off the hook when they went when these pieces went to went to press and they would the editors would give me beautiful layouts, full color, the whole nine yards. And what was also happening that my parents didn't know is that my parents in on a lot of ways because they're they're older are doing crazy things and they're I'm going to say it at the risk of sounding precious. They were really inspiring other older people mm, to do these things. Yeah, yeah, but really, ultimately, what I was wanting, what I was want, what I was wanting to do was to spend time with my parents, not hunker down at home, and, and also tell a really good, funny story that also had a huge payoff for me because it was a way of expressing love to my parents. The twist on that is ultimately that started, and I was being paid $125 for those articles. Yeah. A lot of people would have, right, if you start at the end like that, if that, if the, your end goal is actually that $125, if that's the only thing you're going to look at, then you're never going to do it, are you? Right. But the way I had mm-hmm. looked at it, not because I'm anti-money or I'm a communist or like, like money is evil, that was never my motivation. It was, it, it was the joy of a good story and being with people you love and, and also highlighting local businesses 
and in your in your enjoy. So and what allowed you to kind of have that attitude though? You weren't I, living in the city. I, I, you didn't I, have. Well, it was. I mean, life kind of bears down sometimes when you get to a certain age and you feel. Or is that just stuff we put on ourselves? Well, I, well, it goes. I think also it goes from following following emotion and and about back to back to the rules is that ultimately that by doing the things that really draw that really draw you like like literally like you literally would do it for free right and unfortunately a lot of our our young people and and I know it's the culture I know it's drilled into them I think I think the expectation the pressure on kids to go into university or college and actually know what they're going to be or what they're going to do I mean whatever happened to schooling being about teaching you how to think Right. Like literally think, teaching you how to think, how to explore, how to actually find out what, 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 what appeals to you, what your strengths are, right? Like, like the things that you're kind of wired to do. Um, sorry, w- w- with that, it, it was, you're right, it was, it was natural and it was also a way of, of spending time with, with people I loved mm. And then the game changer was when I when I said, you know, newspapers and magazines don't have money anymore. They're never going to have money <laughs> money anymore. And this is the power of yeah. the inquiry, right? Rather than the moaning about, oh my god, one hundred and twenty five dollars and blah blah blah, and and I'm paying my own way. Yeah, well, your but, dad is, or my dad. Okay, that's <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but now looking back, thinking that my dad paying those businesses, but they're being. But again, I didn't. I didn't know the. I didn't know the rules. But the power of inquiry is rather than looking at the problem. So here, here it is. Rather than looking at the problem, what's the possibility? And the possibility mm-hmm. was newspapers and magazines don't have money. Aren't particularly respectful either right. uh, of of writers. I mean, and um, but who? So who does have money? Who would really love and appreciate and actually needs to unload money? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. And as listeners <laughs> lean in, right? Yeah. Well, uh, tourism boards, yeah. right? Tourism board, right? Those are people who they need content. Yeah. And and if the word writer, like ultimately you're, you're a content creator. So so you were doing this. I mean, this is the space is filled now, I kind of suspect. But you were doing this years ago, sort of. At, you were probably one of the early people really feeding this content machine then, were you? Is it or what? Uh, because there's I mean, tons of bloggers and stuff no, like that now. I was never now. a blogger, and I t- and I I do admit I I t- always took great uh, I did take great satisfaction. No, I'm not a blogger. Yeah, I, this is going in a newspaper, and I would meet client like people who were hosting us, and they're like, "Oh, are you a blogger?" I'm like, "No, I'm I'm a newspaper I'm writer." Published. And that yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. that's where that's and where my little gotta... fi- that's where the my, yeah my filmmaker personality. But that came could be up. like a white parent, maybe just self promoting, <laughs> you know, just. Sweetening it up a little bit there. <laughs> I'm published. No, because I, I guess what I'm trying to draw out here is that you, uh, what you're saying can be adapted in other times. It's not specifically to go into tourism now, but it's to look at who has money if the newspapers and magazines don't. Where's the next place? Where's the pop absolutely. heading going to it there? A- yeah. Absolutely. In, a, in an appreciation and a match. And one of the things, too, is that I did do that for a number of years, and then um, I discovered an actual association. I didn't even know that there were, again, welcome to being a writer, like actual associations of writers, really? Like we all have to leave our house and get out of our pajamas. (laughs) And I I took, uh, 
um, my photographer al- uh, along with me, uh, you know, who also happens to be my, my true love. So I was always like kind of the slutty writer who's <laughs> sleeping with her photographer. photographer. And they, people would think, you know, they'd later say, you know, we thought you were married, but not to each other, right? So people would always want just one room, not two. Um, and that's when I started realizing that by me not knowing the rules of how to attract funding, and this is recently, like this is like in the past... 18 months, okay? So is is what amazed me, what was really, really cool is I think of that adage, you know, never meet your heroes. And and I, I met writers who I was like, I've read your work. Like I, I know your magazine or meeting the just, you know, the biggest newspaper in, in, in Canada and seeing the, the, the editor who first published me yeah. and the star and, and there he is. But what it was is that being overheard when I was when I was talking about a particular client who took such good care of uh, of me and how what great time it was I, I very we went north um, I, I met my uh, a Métis elder who I refer to as my spirit grandfather you know there's some people where you know you meet them and it's not like oh hello how are you nice to meet you but, you know you meet them and and uh, it's actually how I felt about you Dean oh really it's like <laughs> you meet them and, and and it's like oh there you are. Right, you know, it's it's like you're picking up the conversation, yeah, like even oh, though you've never you're... met yeah, before, exactly, yeah. Because yeah, I kind of got your rhythms and everything right there, maybe because it, it helped because we were both Canadians yeah, in San pro- Diego, probably, but, you yeah, know, pro- yeah. Pro- probably, and we were both like unbelievably attractive. <laughs> like, totally. we were built, I mean, right. we're built for podcasts. <laughs> I mean, we, we got faces built for radio. Totally. Um, but what it was though is is so here you have these professionals and. This is what I would not so much leave you with, but here are these people, and there was some element of hero worship for me, where I was like, "Wow, these guys are these guys are the real deal. These are these are journalists. These are real. Like some of them were like the last of the Mohicans, full time, salaried newspaper yeah. travel writers. Like this is like wow, and they." overheard me because I have such a soft voice <laughs> and there was an open bar. <laughs> uh, again, they're rowdy at writers in one room. Right. Yeah, open the bar. Oh, sure. Um, and I was talking about some numbers of funding and I know for a fact I wasn't bragging. I was kind of, I was chuckling about I had never had a client say, you know what, just invoice us for, for 7000 and don't bother to send the receipts. And Someone latched on to the seven grand, and then the, and then she wanted me to unpack that. She's like, "Are you actually saying that they paid for X, Y, like all A, B, C, D, E, F, G?" And I said, "Yeah." And then the then the complaint, they're like, "Well, we always have to pay for gas and and and, and our coffee and our accommodations." And then my photographer, right, Norm, Norm pipes up, "Oh, Shannon never pays for anything." <laughs> and then and I don't pay for anything too. At which point I'm like, "I think we should leave now." But it was such a powerful moment because I was like, "This is what happens when you don't know the the rules." Right. And I also believe in that moment, I was, I was like, now that I know some of the rules, I almost felt like I had been jinxed because they, because also too, in that atmosphere, as lovely as they were, you start to realize it's also, it's not a, so much a collaborative atmosphere. It's one of competition. Totally. There's a lot of a- yeah, anger see, or angst in oh, that that I yeah, touch when I talk to them. Yeah, because yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned that. And, and I guess at the risk of sounding unbelievably naive, which I don't consider myself to, to, to be, I am enthusiastic. And I, I may, maybe I'm a slow learner. Uh, but I had, always, I had always done it alone, a little bit like a not so much a lone wolf, 
Um, but to have that 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 competitiveness, the idea of like there's so many of us and there's not enough of them. But at the same time, mm. one one of the things is that I I wasn't I wasn't lucky. I was also approaching people, and I had already paid for tickets. I already had the whole plan done. So I have never been assigned an actual project. Right. And that's one of the things as part of... You've, uh, you've changed the power balance almost there, well, right? Because yeah. you've come in with something that they didn't have before, and now they got to pay for it, and which is an attitude that... Well, they don't have to at all, but right. it's a risk. And this yeah. is one of the things, too, is if, if to go into, into media, to, to, to go any, anything other than... To go into anything where you are actually going to create, you're actually going to, I would argue do what you you're on some level built to do right or to mm-hmm. go super I- irish dark and you're actually going to die knowing that you lived yeah is you there is going to be an element of risk because i know that i and i i have reached a point where i no longer beat my head against s- someone's head or chest or or butt or anything because if they don't want to believe they're not going to believe yeah you know, I've told you've got not, enough experience now to know and to read that and to get. Yeah, yeah but there's on. gonna there's gonna gonna be an ele- um, an element of risk and in hearing uh, young, particularly young wo- women saying, "Well, I I would leave this job," I and mean, they're making more money than I have ever made, and I would do this as long as I could be guaranteed that I would make the same money. <laughs> well, that's, I doesn't But, but yeah. see, I know, and I love your response to that. But actually, we're in a kind of a minority, and I love that you're like birds of a feather flock together, and you shining out that that light, you know, that message of there is going to be an element of risk, kids. Like mm-hmm. safe, secure, and comfortable, a doesn't exist, and it's a form of death. Yeah. And there's a real rub as you as you, especially as you get older. And, and, and uh, you know, as, as I like to say, the ferryman is always rowing in our direction. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, but that idea of a, of a life well, well lived. And there's tremendous power in, in, in knowing that you, like I, just like when we were kids, you know, I made this. Yeah. You know, when we used to, put, you know, hold up our finger painting, like I made this. And that really doesn't go away. Like, or, or when you're actually paid. And I didn't get paid because I showed up. I paid because I created something and then someone paid for it. Right. So this idea of like, oh my God, you sell your words for money. That's a sellout. And like that is such old, that is so old. And I think actually kids aren't burdened with it or young people uh, are, aren't as burdened with it as maybe we were. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Translation, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking there's a lot there. There's a lot there that you're, 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 that you're, that you're talking about. So I guess... You know, just to recap there a little bit, it's like you're saying a lot of these people would go to the papers and be, I want to be a travel writer, I want to be, and they're on this one track with the newspaper, and they're not seeing anything outside or around, and the power comes in looking around outside and figuring out something else. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, figuring out something else, and I think... um... Because why is there so much angst? There's so much angst because I feel like they're just, why aren't I just on staff at the Star as a travel writer? And it used to happen 20 years ago, but why isn't it still happening now? They're not, if they were free to just go out and pitch, I don't think they'd have that anger. So you, so you, I guess, you're I don't know kind, what I'm yeah, trying, no, no, I'm trying to good. just recap no, what no, you're no, saying. No, no, I understand. But you're also coming from a place, though, that you, you, I, on a, on your lived experience that there's, that there's 
a- anger and angst about about writing and or writers are angry right now <laughs> is all I know and I can't figure out why because I look at them as having a lot of success mm-hmm. maybe not what their where their bar mm-hmm. was set mm-hmm. but I don't know I'm not here to no, no, do no. a psychological profile on them or find out why they're so angry I guess well, that's a nine o'clock yeah, profiler nine, yeah. or, mi- or mi- mind mind hunter but yes. what you say there is very very interesting because it's something that I learned while I was in film school and that I teach to all the people that work with me or whatever. And that is, you can either be a writer or a director. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you're a director, yeah, it's great, you're a director, but you're always waiting for someone to make work for you. They've got to write something, I like that. right? Yeah. But a, ra- a writer can always create their own opportunities and their own gigs. They, they literally, they literally that's write what you the, did. yeah, I like, I like that. And they literally write their world. It's funny that you mentioned that, and I'm, I can see the, the, the writer's face, and yet he had his name. His as a screenwriter uh, escapes me, but he 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 said he said that about when a director comes to me and says, "Okay, so this is how I envision the scene," and the writer is like, "You don't need to envision the scene; it's on the paper." So I, I envisioned the scene for you, and where the f word, where the f word, you know, where the hell were you when the when the page was blank? You know, yeah, k- yeah k- totally. kind of thing. But um, it's easy to block it out now. Yeah, it's all the, the people are here, the words are here, That's everything right, is yeah. here. This is the way I then see Then why this don't thing. screenwriters get respect? Because <laughs> they don't. <laughs> They're not even allowed on set sometimes. And they there's no, you know, uh, it's best director award. It's not, you know, best writer. It's best screenplay. The screenplay gets the award, not necessarily the writer. Right? Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like we yeah, don't we don't out, yeah. celebrate them. I think it's going to shift because ultimately it does tie in with with storytelling. Yeah. And w- you you reach a point where the special effects absolutely um, are an awe-inspiring. I'm, I've already dated myself. Remember Jurassic Park when mm-hmm. it first came out? Yeah. Like it was mind-blowing. And now you can see things like say Suicide Squad. That's not like super, uh, super special effects. I don't even think you, you use that term anymore. There's, it's so adva- advanced. But at the end now, it can't be all action. And audiences have become, sh- uh, their attention spans are shorter, absolutely. Just, just, just listen mm-hmm. to the length of our songs. Or, uh, but, but you can't have just guns and you can't just have boobs. And you can't, right? And it is coming to that point where, and it shows in the numbers at the box office, yes. is that storytelling powerful storytelling ultimately does inspire an emotional response. Because those Marvel movies, they do great where there's a language barrier. Well, in, that, in China or something. But that's also, but you have to remember of, that too. A right? lot of it's for export. Yeah, because they We're just not the visuals, biggest do- the visuals work, yeah, right? Uh, uh, but here, absolutely. if we don't have the motivation of a character or like, I mean, Jurassic Park, yes, it was wonderful uh, CGI, but it was also like, the reaction of the actors and the character and the motivation and all of these layers that and you know, based on a book, based on a book, yeah, and exactly. you all and, and I think you're starting to see that more and more too. When you do see a really good movie, it often is based on a book. But you know what? I think of speaking of screenwriters, I think of Nicolas Cage in an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Remember how that's in the how that opening scene? I mean, I saw that so Refresh long. My memory. It's just a black screen, and it's his monkey mind, and he's he's a he's a screenwriter, and he's just talking like this will never be any good. It's yes. going to be a piece of all garbage. Right. Oh, and I think I hate my my hair is thinning and I'm fat. Oh my god, I shouldn't have had that br- that brownie. And and Linda will never love me. And and it goes on. And I, and he captures the angst of uh, of creation.
functions so perfectly, and he's this flawed human being as we all are, and yet he loves to write, and he has that that douchebag twin brother who who's who's Mr. Confident and and, and all the rest, and he has a line that I'm probably going to murder right now, but ultimately it's it's he says something along the lines of of what you love doesn't have to love you back. Mm. And it was in reference to his brother teasing him about this girl that he just loved in high school and she was so mean to him, right? But, but, he, but he was like, but I, you love what you love. And, yeah. then, and then she's not obligated to love me back. And a lot of that goes with, with, with writing and, and in, in creation in general is uh, I believe that you become invincible, you become bulletproof, you become extremely resilient and you become, I'm going to say it, lighthouse storytelling, a beacon... <laughs> And you will attract birds of a feather flock together when you come from that place of, of love, of, of uh, passion. I know that gets you so much. I, used to, I did used to talk about passion a lot in my, in my 20s. But even that, this idea, because passion implies that you're, you're just turned on and passionate all the time. And so there's some days where it's a slog. Like as I heard, grind I, it I, out, right? I, totally. Like watching a, a painter at, a, at an outdoor festival... Um, you know, he hadn't sold anything and he, you know, he kicked to, kicked one of his, his beautiful paintings and said, uh, I want a salary, (laughs) you know, know, it was a great, you know, and and I said, well, I'm going to talk to Santa about that. You know, I I don't know what you're going to have to do to Santa to get a salary if you're going to be a a painter, but that's, and that really also reminds me of one of my favorite anecdotes of, of a young journalist interviewing a very famous painter. And she says to, to this, this, this beautiful painter, said, wow, you really must love painting. And the painter says, I don't. She goes, well, if you don't love painting, then why do you do it? Because I must. So often when the people who you see having success... And we all love winners, especially as North Americans, right? We hate losers, except maybe the biggest losers, right? That humiliation. That's a, that's a great, that, show. Yeah. <laughs> great show. Great show. Nice. Quality, quality show. <laughs> no writers on that no, show. No. On that show at all. We'll just let this yeah. amateur talent write the <laughs> yeah, whole thing, right. make it up. Um, but, but there's a tremendous power in 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 knowing knowing what 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 you love, and not, and also knowing that you're cutting your own path. Because I do believe, even at a young, especially as you get older, but, but when you're first starting out, you do start to feel in your bones when you're betraying yourself. Hmm. Like, I have a vivid memory of trying to be, you know, like my family. I love my family. I mean, my goodness, why wouldn't I want to be like them? And why wouldn't people who love me want me to fit in? I mean, we're, tr- we're social creatures. It's tribal. Right. If you're not part of the tribe, you die. It's part of our it's part of our DNA. And I uh, came back from Ireland and I had had a wonder, a great time. I almost sound like my mother, a wonderful time. <laughs> you know, I met wonderful people, you know, and I had uh, I came back and, and I was told and I accepted I accepted the mission. Right. I wasn't I wasn't a victim. I accepted being told now. Now it's time to face the real world. And sure, that was great. And you need to get a job. Who told you that your mom? No, or not my mom. No, because you said your parents just wanted you to be uh, happy. We'll say the tribe. We'll, the we'll tribe. say the tribe. Okay. It, it was, uh, there was it, well, it, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was it was and it was said to me lovingly. Yeah. And um, but yeah, my, my parents absolutely were on board. 
And it but was. But don't you too... think that comes from a worrying place? It's just such oh, an course. unknown, and they. But worrying just is scared. love. That's how yeah. they. That's how they sell love, right? Yeah. We want to keep you safe. We yeah. want you to be happy. But I am happy. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you got to get a job. A kid, and, kid, and this hasn't gone away because then I don't think it is ever going to go away. Right. But this is where it's like, like think of like the painter. But I must. Yeah. Like this is something like a. It's a burning, burning, uh, fire in your belly, and also too. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, talks about about enthusiasm, and he talks about you have to have a fire in your belly, a burning desire, no survivors kind of thing, where I am going to make this, Steve Jobs taught, referred to it as bending reality, mm. but a compelling vision. Um, and you don't get that by being safe, secure, and comfortable. But being told to get a job and 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 save money so I could retire. And I remember saying, I remember actually saying, to do what? Well, so you can travel. I'm like, but I just was traveling, <laughs> you know. And, and that was it, you know. And, and looking, yeah. but that shaped me. I'm grateful yeah. for that, but because it never made sense. So on my very first day to go in and work at the bank, I called in sick. You had a day job. I did get. A, I well, I didn't last for. I never no, lasted for no, long at any no. of my days. But I called in sick on yeah. my first day of work. Wow. <laughs> I mean, who no. does that? I do. I do. So, I mean, if I can in any way uh, have one soul on the planet avoid the, the, the pain of, 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 of that kind of self-doubt and that kind of a detour, then, then great. And at the same time, um, the joys of being right in the middle of the, ri- the river because I'm grateful for it because there's no way... And yet I know that there's there's a lot of people who have have told themselves that they they have to you know that they have to go to work, right? They right. they have they have to they 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 have to do it for their kids. I mean, what a burden on your kids. So you you hate your job, you hate your life, but you're doing it for your kids. Like what a tremendous burden. What uh, what advice would you have for someone who loved to write, they love to read and they I mean, I bet you the pressure is even more now nowadays on because what is being a writer mean now? It just seems like it doesn't pay at all. Like I don't know what the guidance counselor would say. It's it's a very big idea for one. There's all kinds of writing. Well, first uh, tip number one: never tell your guidance counselor anything. <laughs> no. Kids, write this down, right? <laughs> well, no, I. I, I'm going to answer that for sure. I, I, I do very much think of my cousin who's a sculptor. And when I first came to Toronto, he said, you know, Shannon, and, and I, I, was, I was dabbling. I, I really like writing. But, it, you know, and I know, I know what it's like. And I ha- had some success. And then, and then you panic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, looking back, I'm like, oh, my goodness, kid. What were you doing? Right? And um, it was my cousin who said, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's, uh, there's, there's um, dream killers. And there's dream chasers. Ah, choose. Yeah. So to to if you want to be a be a writer, then what's really great, especially when, when you're young, is keep it a secret. You know, you don't need to put it out to the peanut gallery because one, especially uh, especially for for young women, when you say, so what do you think? You know, what do you think? And you invite dream killers who often come with very friendly faces. Right. The, the the tribe, right? They want to keep you safe. Yeah. And they're going to see what you could possibly lose. That's so, very uh, counterintuitive, but uh, that's spot on. I think that's a good attitude to have. I think, yeah. It, yeah, well, it, yeah. I would keep I would keep it undercover, and I I would uh, I would really have fun with it. I think. I mean, that's also part of 
writing at one point, you know, the purple prose and being very earnest. And I mean, when you said you went to film school, I felt this visceral, like, oh, gosh, a film right? student. Uh, you know how film students can be, totally. right? I, I remember meeting some of them in Montreal and all wore black and the Goatees beret. And oh, all totally. That. Like, so, so like the yes. epitome of pretentiousness. But the thing is, is that ultimately you string words together. Like really in the end, I don't call myself a writer. To, we're going to bookend it perfectly. Back to that cocktail party, that dinner. <laughs> party in hell. We're going to land the plane. You like it we're going to land yeah. we're, as I come to a close. <laughs> but going back to that a dinner party is when you call yourself a writer, it's very, in, I find it intimidating because there's so many beautiful writers out there and they're including the greats. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, then you see a group of people saying, well, I'm a writer. You know, I'm an ex, you know, like, you know, I, I, I tweet regularly, like this kind of stuff. But really often, I would say if you are really actually filled with angst, I'm not going to go for the, for the anger, but angst and insecurity and self-doubt, then I would say, you know what, sweetheart, you are a writer. Because that vulnerability, and I, I guess, look at that, I feel, I feel that. I feel that because it doesn't go away, and it's actually where you create from. So if, if, if there's that torment and that insecurity is that that is the universe letting you know that, that you're on to something that is, that is special to you, it matters to you, it's sacred, it's, it's, like, a, it's like an egg and it's so fragile. And it's also a sign that what's so sacred and precious to you is also going to feel the exact same but different to, to the rest of us. Yes. And if there's one time in, in history, in the evolution of, of, of us as a, as a people, is that we need those, 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 those young people, those people, whether they're, they're young or they're in the middle of the river, who actually have something to say, they have something to share, they have something sa sacred to them. Because ultimately when you create from that space, you're beyond, you transcend self-doubt. Like when, where we create, is it's not your wounded place, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's one of the things that attracts people to people who actually sh show up fully because that authenticity, that power, that compelling courage, you, you can't, you can't fake that. That's right. You cannot fake that. And that's what I would say is that that doubt and all of that, the black parrot, Herbert, it's all there. So it's actually very good news to, to, to feel that insecurity. And then what, what's beyond that insecurity will absolutely shape your life and, and who you are as a, as a person. And above all else, uh, and how beautiful and what a privilege you'll shape other people. That's great. Okay, we warmed up. Do you want to roll on now this now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is great, Shannon. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Dean. Now, we end every show. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but at the end, I throw a, a term, and usually it's a film term, but for you today, I got a writer's term. It's, it's a, a journalist term. I hope that's okay. Uh, and I'm going to throw out the term, and you're going to give me the definition if you can, okay? Oh, no. No pressure. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no pressure. pressure at all. Can I spell yeah. it too? Okay. <laughs> yeah, spell it, and then give me the definition. You ready? Hot take. <laughs> what is a hot take? <laughs> well, in the pornography industry, <laughs> that <laughs> hot take I'm going to say is a really great scene. 
Really? Oh, you've never heard this before? <laughs> At first, I thought you were laughing with recognition. Like, I know what a hot cake is. What a hot this, I know what a hot cake is and a crab <laughs> cake. McDonald's? Uh, well, actually, I think only one take? only one guest has ever gotten gone me. in, right? Yeah, and these are this film is, people. These are television. This is people. a humiliation this is round. Yeah, is this your way I of saying thanks? It. Just so, yeah, just to shift the power back over that's to me. That's right. So, <laughs> that's right. Here we go. Hot a hot take? take is a piece of deliberately provocative commentary that is based almost entirely on shallow moralizing in response to a news story, usually written on tight deadlines with little research or reporting and even less thought. Well, I refuse to be pulled from this stage ending on something that even hints at fake news, which, by the way, everybody, is not new. Fake no. news just used to be called propaganda. There you go. But I absolutely refuse. <laughs> I would like to end the call. How would you like on. to close? Go ahead. I give this for you. Go. What would you Hot like to say? Takes. No, no, no. Well, I was going to just talk about crab cakes. No, I... Uh, Oh, that! No, oh, that's a good one. No, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity in media. You still, I, even I, though I, oh, we hear these, I, I no, think it's I think it's over dramatic. No, it's dram- dramatized. I mean, but again, what, but. right? Are you the the dream the dream killers and the dream chasers? Yeah. There's tremendous opportunity. Years and years and years ago, and thank goodness I didn't take the advice. Uh, I was actually taking a magazine and newspaper writing uh, class at George Brown College, yep. excellent college. And a man came in, a guest speaker, and he worked for NASA. But he actually predicted the future. And he so this was a, this was a good, solid 20 years ago. Okay. And he said, writers, if you or journalists... 20 years at, ago, you realize, yeah, is no, like 2000. I know, I know. Can okay. you imagine? Can you, oh th- th- I know. I'm a vampire. I know. <laughs> I, can you imagine? Yeah, pre-9-11. Yeah. So he said, right, journalists are going to become content creators. And as a cre- and he goes, this is such an exciting time because journalists are going, if you're going to want to communicate, if you're, want to, you're going to want to be in media, you're not only going to have to be able to write, you're going to have, you're going to, have to write, you're going to have to be able to shoot video. And Gosh, that's exactly right? what's happening. And he, yeah. Right? And then you're, you're going to become a one-person production house, right? So he saw it. And totally so i was like this is terrible advice he's crazy right uh i'm gonna go study up my grammar some more <laughs> just be a grammar yeah, expert. Yeah. that's it right and here and here we are and i mentioned that because that was of course 20 years ago so there are what well, he had such a positive compelling well-informed voice he had seen the future otherwise known as a visionary yeah. so i would say you don't listen to to the to the angst and the anger because that just attracts more angst and anger you listen for the the chattering of people who who again like simon Sinek says what are leaders leaders are are people who look to the future with hope and faith so there absolutely are people, and you're not going to find them online, you're not going to find them on, on Facebook, and you're not going to find them in the pages of, of, of your traditional newspaper either. But you are going to find them, and, the, and they're the whispers, the chattering of people who are re- of all ages who are really, really excited about the future. Because there are, because we, and I will say, because we are out there. Are you still, I mean, you're in the middle of the river. Are you still excited about the, about the future? Absolutely. You, I you don't say back in the day when we, that's great. It's, Absolutely you not. You gotta, and especially you as, a, you, you as a dad. No, because we also, the, like, we're talking about a future that none of us know. Mm-hmm. And what I do know, I know in my bones, is the good guys have one. The good guys have one, and I would rather ha- know about the cockroaches in my kitchen 
then not know about them or pretend they're not there. So the th- I'm going to end on a lighthouse reference. Maybe it's an analogy, simile, <laughs> or metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> See, as a writer, you don't have to know yeah, it all. Right. But that idea of when you shine light... You are going to see some stuff that has always been there, but now we see it. And right now, we're seeing a lot of stuff come up, but you know, it's all okay. It really is okay. It's all, there's such a tremendous opportunity for for, for you, for me, and for, for this generation coming up. I have complete faith in them, complete faith in them. That's great to end on that. Do you think those angry writers are hanging to, clinging on to the past and not looking forward? Uh, yeah, the, the past is the past for, for a reason. The, yeah, the yeah. past. They noticed. I'm just trying to figure out why I they're had angry. Us, I had you us. Are, I, know, I know. I had us. <laughs> I know. I'll edit this out. It's all edited anyways. Well, thank you, Shannon, for being on the show. This no. has been great. Oh, it's well, been really thank, well, thank you. I, yeah. Thank you. I always I always appreciate, again, I always appreciate uh, meeting and, and being able to re- reconnect with with the. Uh, a spirit brother. Oh, you're thank like a, you. you're my beacon brother. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Okay, well that was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Man, she I don't know how her mind retains all those quotes, right? Like I I couldn't drop any quotes in that interview, but she was quoting all these people. I was like, "Wow, you really you retain all this there's stuff. There's a lot of stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. She just goes, right? Yeah, and uh, a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs, which made me think we've got to do something with Shannon. Oh, We've got to do some collaboration. Just the sheer energy that she brings. You know, I think you, if you can capture that, you got a winning uh, formula. I think so. And she's she's had success with, with writing. And it's that, that punchiness and that humor and that wit that translates so well to, I think, video to be on camera. And <laughs> just getting her out there. I'll play her straight, man. I won't have a problem with that. <laughs> That'd be a lot of... So, Shannon, if you're listening to this, and if you're like me, you probably are listening to it obsessively. We're going to do something together. I promise you. Absolutely. I want to direct it, because you know why? I'll just have to say action and just leave it to her. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just be, play the straight man. <laughs> so, I hope you enjoyed this episode of How I Got This Gig. We'd like to hear from you. You know, we're on Facebook, and uh, you can follow us there and reach out. If there's someone you think we should talk to who's got a cool gig, and you want to find out how he got it, let us know. And if there's a topic that you, you guys want us to uh, discuss and kind of dive into, let us know as well. We'd love to, uh, you know, get some ideas from you guys of what you guys want to hear from us. Absolutely. And again, you can visit us at videotwins.com. All our video production resources are there to help you make better videos. Plus, you'll find the podcast and a couple of courses, right? Absolutely. And hey, it's not just educational stuff. It's entertaining stuff. So get some popcorn ready when you're getting into that site. <laughs> That's right. but And just like the movies, there will be no refunds. <laughs> I don't know. I do that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on How I Got This Gig. Uh, thanks, Berman, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Dean. All right. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Take care.